I'm pursuing what I care deeply about more than anything, and you're collecting a paycheck, who's going to win? everybody you're listening to the creative pep talk podcast this show is about commercial art making a good living and making great art is it possible to do both at the same time this is a a mini episode exploration of that very question so stay tuned as we try to figure that out i'm your host andy j pizza our syndicate is Illustration Age. Thanks, Illustration Age, for being our syndicate. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Let's jump into the show. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In the Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In the Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. None other than Chase Jarvis. Chase Jarvis is a world-renowned photographer, and I really, because I'm not, you know, into photography per se, uh, he wasn't really on my radar. And then I heard an interview with him on Tim Ferriss's podcast, and I heard, you know, I didn't know that this is the guy behind Creative Live. I've already uh, been a Creative Live customer. I did the Alex Bloomberg class when I was just starting out podcasting. It was really helpful for my interview skills. Um, So this is kind of a cyclical, weird thing where I'm using the skills I learned on Chase's platform to interview him. It's very cyclical, very strange. But um, this guy has done so much for the creative world. Uh, Creative Live is fantastic. You can go check out classes on there um, with people like Brandon Reich and Lisa Congdon, you know, our friends from the show. Uh, So here's what's even better than that. Um, They gave Creative Pep Talk listeners 25% off. If you go to creativelive.com slash pep, Uh, You're going to get that free offer code and check out those classes. They are legitimately fantastic. I massively suggest if, you know, to continually be upping your game, your skills, uh, always be sharpening your craft. And I've done online classes like this and uh, Creative Live is just doing awesome stuff. So go check that out. You know, one last thing I want to say is that, um, you know, I'm really freaking thrilled to keep the integrity of this show at the highest caliber. And I love that we have 
Astropad and Scout Books and Creative Live as you know people that are giving away these these uh, these deals for you guys because these are things that I all that I use that I believe in uh, and um, you know although Creative Live is not a sponsor. I'm thrilled to give you guys a deal on that because I really do believe that it's super important to be always educating yourself, leveling up your game. Um, for me, it's been a game changer. It's something that I've, I, I'm really dedicated to, a lifelong pursuit of learning and getting better. And um, yeah, so it's just super awesome. So I know you're going to enjoy this. Chase brought his A game. Thanks for being on the show, Chase. Let's jump in. Be warned that this episode contains some adult language. Let's start with uh, just you telling us a little bit how you went from being a photographer to being more of an entrepreneur, and you can give us a little bit of background about becoming a photographer first if you'd like to. Sure, sure. Um, so my background is, let's just, we're going to go way back. I was born. <laughs> I always st- say, uh, start in the womb and then work your way out of there. Work, work our way out of the womb. <laughs> okay. Um, now I guess, uh, I was a creative kid, but I didn't really, for some reason I was, uh, wary of that moniker. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, as a, as a kid, I ended up gravitating to sports because in the world where I grew up in to be creative was weird. Mm. And you know, again, super lower middle class suburbs of Seattle. Um, and I was an only child. And, you know, for me, that's actually where my imagination, all that stuff came from. My, I didn't have brothers and sisters and my parents would just, you know, I had to have sort of an, there was no kids table. I was at the adult table and, or like goofing off in the backyard or riding my bike or, you know, whatever developed a large imagination, but fast forward into teenage years. Um, I, sort of gravitated much towards more, more towards sports. And, and I think there was some cultural reinforcement at that time anyway, in the, mm. we'll just call them the, <clears throat> the, uh, seventies and eighties. Yeah. Um, and it, at, at some point I realized that I was repressing this really creative side of me that wanted to make films and to, you know, and you look back at what you did as a kid, I was making films when I was like five and, mm like cutting it together and, and inviting the neighborhood in to watch the films. And I would sell them, you know, buy candy bars for 25 cents and sell them for 50 cents kind of thing. (laughs) And, you know, as you're starting to sort of come of age, um, in your teens, I really missed that part of me that I was sort of, um, packing away. And Uh so I unpacked it, uh, and it was timed very sort of precipitously, if you will, with my grandfather, Dying. My grandfather passed away of a heart attack just two weeks before my college graduation. And uh-huh. that sort of dovetailed with a handful of different things. One of those is um, as a I went to college on a soccer scholarship and it was at one of the top 10 soccer schools in the country. So there was always we were on TV every week. There was always media around. And I was really interested in like all these photographers and filmers that were capturing these moments. And you'd see them on the, you know, in the newspaper or whatever. Uh-huh. So I was intrigued by that. My dad was a hobbyist photographer. My grandfather was a hobbyist photographer. And it was yet it was when my grandfather passed away, I was given all his cameras. Uh. And he was like a nerdy collector guy, um, you know, reconciling that part of me, which is the creative part, which I really wanted to sort of express. And given a camera, looking at all these, you know, the photographs of my teammates, myself, just it was it was like this light bulb went off. And I graduated a week later. And I did what a lot of um, folks who are who are fortunate, um, you know, I, I had saved some money up and and just put a backpack on my back and went and walked the earth. And in a sense, I, I uh, taught myself how to be a photographer walking around Europe for a few months, eating, you know, cans of beans uh, yeah. to live on and sleeping on the ground and hostels and stuff like that. And so that's my background as a photographer and and I still was very wary of the world telling me that it wasn't possible to do that so I went to um, you know I, I did all the MCAT for the pre-med studies uh, I pursued a career in professional soccer it was going really well and um, and a PhD in philosophy 
Yeah. And it, those were all the things that the world wanted me to do. But I had this sort of underlying, like, I really just want to take pictures for a living. Um, and so I had to reconcile that part of my life. And, you know, culture is, there's the terms like the starving artist and, you know, yeah, uh, <laughs> just, I, I don't think that there's, that parents are running to tell, most parents are probably not running to tell most kids like, oh, you want to play the guitar? Yeah, you should do that for a living. Yeah. It's just not culturally, um, or, or it's much less a part of our culture than I wish it was. Mm-hmm. So I had to reconcile all that stuff and ultimately decided that I did want to become a photographer. So I quit all that shit that everybody else wanted for me and threw myself headlong into, um, into being a photographer and managed to make a go of it. And, um, whatever, a few years later, uh, I, I managed to, to, you know, have a successful career. And this was sort of early internet too. So it was, it's, a, it's right. a, kind of a long time ago trying to remember back to taking a picture with film, yeah. writing down what your exposure was, taking another picture, writing it down. And then when you got your film developed, however many weeks later you went back and like tried to figure out how to take pictures. It was mm. a totally brutal process. <laughs> um, uh, I was able to lean into that. It was a, a huge passion, and I learned a lot about myself, about about creativity, about human nature by pursuing my dreams. And yeah. and it was really when I'd been doing that for ten years, like you know, got to to um, uh, a position in my career where I was interested in the internet. And more than anything, I just started telling stories about what it was like to be a photographer. Yeah, and accidentally built um, a large social following around, you know, a community, if you will, around what it was like to to have quit the things that everybody else wanted mm. for you and pursue your dreams and then to actually make those dreams come true and, you know, shooting for Red Bull and Nike and, yeah. you know, all the top car brands and it, it was a really compelling but very, very simple narrative and it wasn't all the high parts, it was some of the low parts too and mm. I think that was just really well timed with the rise in creativity. You know, I, I use the term today. I feel like creativity is the new literacy. It's people realize that it is a very, very valuable concept and it's Mm. a skill that we all have inside us. And so I just told that story. And, um, at some point I turned around and there were a million people there listening to that story. And so I started listening to that audience and asking them what they wanted and, you know, how could I help that community? And what I found really quickly was that they wanted to have some pathway, someone to tell them that, that, that their dreams were actually possible and that, um, that the internet was going to unlock a lot of human potential. And so in beyond just, you know, making inspirational videos, I started working with a friend of mine, uh, to be able to build a platform for people to learn. Mm. Um, an early iteration of that platform was a, a an iPhone app called Best Camera, which was the first iPhone app that shared photos to social networks, mm. and that was the app of the year. And, and it's hard hard thinking back to a time where that was like novel, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was the app of the year in two thousand and nine, and millions of downloads, and it helped people understand as you know the first app that allowed you to take a picture add a cool effect and then share it to social networks Mm. it helped people it was like a tool to inspire and make people realize that hey there's this camera it's in your pocket all the time and would it be cool if you were able to document and share your life um so that was a thing that 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 had taken me five years to build up a, a community of a million people just from sharing my stories about what it was like to be a photographer chasing his dreams and we did that in five weeks with that iPhone app. And so that was a, uh, a wake up call. And I guess that was a first early like foray into entrepreneurship. I didn't really have an understanding. The word was a confusing word. I think it still is, mm. um, because all artists, um, if you make money off of your work, you're an entrepreneur in some way, shape or form. But that process helped me understand something, uh, about what it took to, to build a company. And then I, I looked at, at another need. I listened and the community told me that they wanted to learn and lo and behold my peers were the best creatives in the world the best designers and filmmakers and and so i you know worked with a handful of other really committed people to build a platform that's today called creative live and it's the world's largest um live streaming education company it's focused specifically on creative education and we have now more than 10 million students and uh 
and yeah, it's amazing. I don't know, two billion minutes of video consumed on our platform. So it was uh, there's never a time where I said, you know what? Gosh darn it, I want to stop being a photographer and start being an entrepreneur. Yeah. It's it's we're all all of those things now and that's one of my favorite things about the world we live in. Mm. So, can there I There you go. That was the long <laughs> not so short. No, that was fantastic. <laughs> From that... the womb to entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a great summary. I want to take it back to where you were uh, in the PhD philosophy phase and you were doing <laughs> doing the uh, all these things that were narratives given to you. And yep. I wondered if there was a moment or was it a, a series of moments or was it a season when you started to unpack this idea that this is not my, these aren't my goals. These aren't the narratives that I want to live. Um, what did it look like? What did that transition look like? Because I think a lot of people find themselves there and they don't know how to navigate it. Yeah, there's this, um, one of the things that I, love is the spirit of childlike wonder that you see in every kid Mm. and there's this sort of a an innocence um and and this underscores my earlier point and i think a, a larger point that we are all creative and this creativity is actually sort of beaten or trained out of us because if you ask a a six year old birthday party who wants to sing happy birthday Everybody raises their hand. Who wants yeah. to come up and draw me a picture? Like it's all 10 of the kids or hands are raised. And if you ask that to a group of, you know, 14 year olds, it's fewer. It's way fewer. It goes from like 100% down to like 10%. Mm. And then if it's an auditorium full of adults, you know, when they're 25, like two or three of them. So mm. it's clear that this is, this is present in us. And it was that childlike wonder that I was, um, I was, aware of only when it started to not like I, I didn't want to lean into that when you started like oh who's cool who gets picked on who doesn't I want to be in this group because yeah. you know I, I literally it was like I remember saying like I'd much rather be the captain of the football team yeah. <laughs> it was it was like almost like a decision and yes. a decision not made it was a decision it was a cultural sort of um thing it was uh, I felt like was um, I felt a sense of pressure to fit in or to be a certain way mm. and and the same thing was true with um, you know this this idea that you mentioned which is like what everybody else else wants for you it was really easy um, I mentioned earlier I went to college on a soccer scholarship so when you're doing something that is sort of categorically cool yeah um, you know what parent doesn't want their kid to be a pro athlete because it's very culturally acceptable and so when I was on that path everyone everything was hunky-dory and my parents again very supportive I just like I want to add just for emphasis yeah like I had everything going for me I was you know again middle lower middle class I just call middle middle class yeah um privileged as hell white suburban yeah male I mean it's like and I found these choices to have be loaded with pressure like what are you going to be when you grow up so I want to before we go into the boohoo story that is my story which is yeah. not really a boohoo story like let's just be clear that there are people who come from infinitely more disadvantaged uh, positions in life Absolutely, and, and that's the part that's a brain F for me was yeah. like I found it hard so what if you had all these other cultural disadvantages mm. holy smokes how impossible would it be to actually have someone or the motivation to tell you to live your dreams instead of just the opposite. So it was, everything was cool when I was, you know, playing on the Olympic development soccer team. Um, but when I started burning out on that and it was late in my college career, when I realized like, gosh, you know, this is a very one dimensional aspect to life. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe there's more, maybe I want to do some other things. That's when all this other pressure, well, gosh, well, why don't you be a doctor? Because people who are smart and hardworking, they become doctors because that's what success looks like in our and, and again this wasn't my parents were are awesome uh-huh. but I just felt this sort of culturally and as soon as I started exploring something that was anything but um, responsible there was just this cacophony of do something that matters do you know you want to make a nice living and you know and it's yeah. like it doesn't come from a bad place anywhere right. but ultimately I feel like it's really damaging and that that go back to my point about childlike wonder that becomes sort of beaten out of you 
And instead of like, what do you want to be and listening to that voice that's inside you, it's very much what does the, what are the external things like yes. money and rent and where does all the practical stuff that kicks in. So absolutely, to me, that's a really hard thing to see. And it doesn't come from a bad place culturally, but imagine what a different culture it would be if people pursued their dreams, pursued mm. their hopes, and the hopes were really theirs as opposed to yes. their parents or their parents' parents or a cultural norm. I think you'd get a, a culture that was much more delightful to be a part of and much more, you know, passionate and engaged in a connectedness with one's life. And that's yeah. that's what I'm trying to help people realize with creative live, for example. And I, you know, I do a lot of goal workshops. And one of the things that I really harp on all the time is this idea that your goals need to, you shouldn't come up with your goals based on these external factors or from from a place of your ego. Like, I would love to have this accolade that it should be driven by uh, the internal passion in process. And I'm assuming that while, you know, the soccer scholarship and, and going to, you know, into these prestigious places with, with your education probably did a lot for your ego, the process and the joy from actually shooting photographs was probably uh, a better direction in terms of what needed to lead you. Like what, and I, so I'm always telling people like, make your goals not based on uh, accolades, based on your ego, based on what's prestigious. Make them on the things that you actually enjoy the process of doing. It's um, very much the you nailed it. It's the process. And there was a flip for me. Like I loved to play soccer. It was yes. incredible. I, like if I could do anything with my time, I would want to be playing soccer. And at that at some point, that flipped. I, it didn't be it wasn't fun anymore. And you know, and Division one college soccer, you're spending five hours a day every single day playing soccer. And when I was sort of twenty, I was like, you know what? I think I'm pretty much. I think I can. I've had enough here. I want to look at some other things. Yes. And. And that is aligns with your like how so then what replaced it? And it really was the first thing I did was I, I went, you know, the thing that was always there that I never really a part of me that I never really let come out mm. was that creative part, that photographic. I want I, I saw films, I saw pictures, I saw like I just see it. I saw myself creating those things. I felt it. And that's that piece that you're talking about in your goal setting workshops. It's the answer. And this is a theme for me, like a global theme is the answers are in there. They're inside. Yeah. They're not out. The, the, almost all of them. Like, who are you? Who do you yes. want to be? Who do you want to be friends with? Who do you want to love? Who do you want to be loved by? What matters to you? Yeah. If you spend too much time looking on the horizon for those things, you're just like, you're burning time because the answers are very much in here. And and if you you know address what you just said, like the process, like what do you actually enjoy doing? If you could get paid to do anything. What would it be? And that's and, the and place to start. That's yeah. That's not the that's not the most absurd eye roll. Like, oh my god, who do you think you are? Yeah, that's literally the place to start. Yes. And I I also wonder too something that I kind of see happening uh, within your story is this idea of uh, this cyclical thing happening where maybe soccer was the right thing at that time, but then eventually it runs its course, just kind of like going into photography and becoming established as a photographer and then that journey kind of starts over uh, as an entrepreneur is that something that you think is going to continue to repeat in your life like Ab absolutely yeah I love that you recognize that because I mean gone are the days that we go to work for one company and you work there for 45 years you get the gold watch and you retire mm. if absolutely. our parents had one job we will have five. Mm -hmm. And the next generation will have five at the same time. So we all need to just look ourselves in the mirror and get really comfortable with having all kinds of different arcs to our life. And what's true is that you can only connect the dots looking backwards. Like sure. I realized that I needed to be a photographer and with photography get interested in a in developing a, an app and have that app be successful but not be the billion dollar Instagram exit. And instead I, I made some mistakes along the way. And so I'm leveraging that into my next passion, which is helping right. other people to, yeah, it's, you know, you can only connect the dots looking backwards, but the one thing that I think is true 
out of all this. And I, I think it's, I, I believe this is a truth for, for myself, for sure. I don't want to be overly prescriptive, mm. but, but one thing that is true having, you know, I have a, a show called Chase Jarvis live. That's on creative live where I sit down and interview the world's top performers. Yeah, I love it. Richard Branson, Mark Cuban, Ariana Huffington, you know, uh, actors, athletes, you know, just really high performers. And one thing is true. And that's all of those people at some point followed the thing that they loved that was absurd mm-hmm. and they became very, very good at it. And then they took the process of learning to become good at something and lifted and stamped it and lifted mm-hmm. and stamped it into something else, the next chapter. And you- and when you think of it in that paradigm, you just see it everywhere. You can mm-hmm. see people who were, I mean, you know, you can see Madonna. Madonna loved... I'm, I'm projecting here, right. <laughs> but she, she created a character that was Madonna. It was like mm. theatrical and performance oriented and she dressed up and she wore these lacy gloves and when she was 18 or 19 and then you, you saw her sort of have a birth, a life and I wouldn't say a death, but yeah. a, 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 um, a waning of that career. Mm. And then how many other times did she go and do that? True. So many times. And you see this with entrepreneurs over and over again, what they did again, looking backwards, connecting the dots is they learned how to become great at something that they were deeply passionate about. They made their way in the world, achieved success, saw and felt what that was like. Mm. And then you have this sort of roadmap and it's not the actual tactics like, you know, learn how to do this skill and learn how to do that skill. It's learning how to learn. And then you can apply that over and over. And that's why life never is, you know, if you have this framework, it's just an amazing life and we can all be these hyphenates. We don't have to be accountant or watchmaker or landscaper as the the defining characteristic of who you are that's that's just one thing on a well-lived life yes i think and you're also kind of describing this idea that the what kind of changes over time but the why kind of like lingers throughout all of it and it's kind of constant but the what i I always tell people something i hear uh gary vanderchuk say all the time is uh don't get romantic about the what, how you're making money right now and what that looks like. Like don't, you know, don't sell your soul to that thing. Like that's not your end all be all. Like, you know, you have to kind of go with the flow and go with the way that the journey takes you. Um, and so I want to go back to, to where you're talking about, you were saying that, you know, you, you had some hardships, but you know, it was nothing in comparison to, you know, millions of people out there. And I wonder if knowing that uh, arts education uh, comes at a premium in this country, if that's one of the driving factors for you for Creative Live is making this thing more accessible to people from different walks of life. 100%. Like to be to be crystal clear, Creative Live, I feel like is it is the foundation to help people live their dreams. Mm whether it's career or hobby or just life in general. That's what the platform is designed for. I'm not here to tell you what your dreams are, but I'm here to provide for you a, a lens through which you can understand that whatever you want to be, you can become. And the way we do that is we focus very narrowly on the creative pursuits, creative and entrepreneurship. Do you want to start your own business? Do you want to be a photographer, a designer? Like we're focused on those things yeah. be, because it's an area of focus. But the underlying message is literally that we are living in an age where things that were not possible even five years ago, for example, to learn from the world's top experts for free on a platform with a bunch of other cool people. Yeah. Like that's actually a thing. Like, and if you can look for, believe in and lean into the idea that the universe will provide for you if you're pursuing what you truly love, Mm. then you have that sort of, once you get bit by that bug, it's in you forever and and it doesn't you don't always have to be expressing that part of you because sometimes life happens or shit gets hard or Mm. you know we all we all fall off our path at some point and come back onto it like that's all okay once you believe that life is long Mm. but not so long that you shouldn't pursue the things that you care deeply about Mm. so i think your your point is a very well taken one it does that that is a huge underpinning for what Creative Live, um, what Creative Live stands for. The fact that arts are one of the first things that are getting cut, and yet 
yet. If you, you know, there's all kinds of surveys and data. IBM did a study. They petitioned 1,500 of the top CEOs. Oh, I saw this. And the number one, the number one most desired creativity, what was it, a trait? Yes. Creativity. Mm. Because creativity with the capital C is different than creativity with the small c. Creativity with the small c, let's just call that like drawing and painting and photography or design or, but creativity with the capital C, that is, there is nothing. Look around you. Look whatever, wherever you are in the world, the listeners, like look around you. Nothing that you can see didn't have creativity at its core. Yes. The furniture, the chair, the Tesla parked outside, the, you know, not just the painting on the wall or, or the, 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 the speaker, the television that you're watching or listening to, all that was a drawing in someone's mind. It was an idea and it's creativity with a capital C that underpins every solution to every problem we will ever know, whether that's access to clean drinking water for the next billion people or the, the chair that you're sitting in. It was designed by someone. Mm. And to me, that's why like it, the fact that it's so broad reaching creativity with a capital C, that's why in the future, all artists will be entrepreneurs. Will all CEOs will be cr- considered creative? All it, it's just we're it's it's the first time in the history of the world that we're recognizing that creativity goes hand in hand with what it means to be human. And sometimes when I start uh, working with students, and I start trying to uh, articulate the deeper evergreen principles of you know, frameworks and, and thought processes and mindsets that enable you to do your best creative work. Sometimes I feel like there's a pushback, like they, they have this feeling that creativity is this intuitive flash of inspiration that has no containers. And, I, and I, my question is, do you think that creativity is more scientific than we give it credit for um you know what do you think the balance is between the learning the craft component versus that flash of inspiration creativity is a practice creativity is a process creativity is a habit it is something that we all have 100 percent embedded into our dna it is what separates us from other species on this planet the ability to put two things together, which might not be likely things, to come up with something new is literally, it's like how tools were invented. It's yes. how we went from crawling on our knuckles to standing up, to building you know, the world around us. Mm-hmm. And this idea that creativity is something that's out there for other people, that is a product of conditioning. And it's really, it's those people, the people who identify themselves as creatives or artists or entrepreneurs. Um, I'm excited to talk to that community. Those are my people. That's the people yeah. that I've sort of been reared around and cultivated and been cultivated by. And it's really the folks that are just sort of just outside that looking like, I'm, I'm interested in what's going on over there. I don't know if I could ever do that or I could, mm. let me tell you a quick story about my mom. Yes. For a long time, she you know, she's very practical. I, I have like a European, Scandinavian and, and European heritage. And they're very practical people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so she sort she believed that, well, she's just very analytical and that's who she is. And yet, you know, back in 2009, when I came up with that iPhone app, I put an iPhone, that iPhone app in her hand. And she went from believing that she wasn't creative catapulted to becoming quote the most creative of all her friends right and that's her friends telling her that oh my god joy you're so creative you like i can't you take these you know my mom she walks all over the place she's a big walker she Mm -hmm. loves it every day and she started taking you know because her phone was all with her she was always taking pictures and sharing them with her face on her facebook page and all that kind of stuff and she went like it was overnight because her kid gave her a three dollar app at the time yeah and told her that she was creative. She started taking pictures and sharing it. It's just like, it's literally the act of making, mm. the act of doing something that creates more of that same feeling. It's like, it's the unused natural resource. It's the only one where the more you use, the more you have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I always say that uh, 
creativity is like breastfeeding and the more you pump the more it flows that's my, <laughs> that's my thing. I have a little like a uh, pocket notebook with that on it. Um, and, and you know what? Like my, my dad has this uh, really sad story. He's like a finance. I mean, his story is not sad at all. He's like a massive finance dude worked from, uh, you know, working class all the way up to being like a, a big shot finance dude at a great uh, corporate company. And he he thinks he is the least creative person in the world, yet the reason he succeeded is his ability to creatively solve problems in their organization. And they basically just send him to the problems, and then he comes up with these uh, ideas and these solutions that nobody else could see. And, you know, he told me that when he was a kid, he went into art class and the art teacher told him, he was doing really well in every other class, like really, really well. And then the art teacher told him that she was going to take him to the principal's office if he didn't start trying in her class. And she, and he was like, I'm trying as hard as I can. And and she's like, that's impossible. And uh, and eventually he convinced her that this was as good as he could draw. And so that from that early age, just, just to reiterate these things that you're saying, um, that early age really stole that idea of, you know, that, that <clears throat> equating uh, artistic talent with creativity was a real roadblock for him. And uh, I've, I've been really inspired by his creativity uh, in business. And I think you're totally right. And it's, it's amazing uh, what you're doing, equipping people with this uh, ownership of that word. And I think it's really powerful going into the next century where, you know, robots are going to take over everything and we'll need creativity more than ever. <laughs> it's true. It's like that, that's, one of the reasons I really am excited to be a, a proponent to stand on stages wherever I can and shout it from the mountaintops is like if the, it's not the people who already self-identified, these people that are on the edge and they're they're sort of creative, curious, like, oh, do I have something? It's like literally just try it. Try taking pictures with your iPhone. Try sharing them. Yes. And I believe that when you can do that and that you, you will – Invariably, if you have some sense of it, you set some intention around it. You you will feel it. Yes. And what what you know the science is to speaking of science, the science is totally indisputable. The more you create, the more creative you are. So that's why, like playing the guitar, will make a brain surgeon a better brain surgeon. Yes. You're literally unlocking neural pathways, and this is not hocus pocus. This is yes. like modern science shows it. It's a practice. Mm. And once you get yourself in the habit of realizing that there's this process of making and and revising and making and revising and iterating and that, oh, my God, you can see how everything and, and you know, you may have heard this, you know, I think it's a Picasso, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Yes. And when you look at the things around you and you can be inspired by them and apply them to your own life, that's actually what it's all about yes that's creativity and i i wanted to circle back to something that uh we kind of skimmed over when you started working on the app now uh, one of the things that i've i'm kind of dealing with right now as i i've started teaching online and i am building out more of a going kind of from solopreneur to possibly being more of an entrepreneur i am starting to become keenly aware of the, the areas of business that I am <laughs> have no business uh, uh, d doing, you know, um, there's all these, I think, in terms of like ideas, vision, uh, you know, selling, those are all things that I feel really comfortable in. But there are a lot of areas that I, I, I am just not the best person for the job. So when you started thinking about doing this app, did you start working with a partner? Or did you start hiring people? What did that look like? Boy, um, yeah, I started uh, originally started hanging out with like-minded people. Right. I think that's a really important thing. People are like, I don't know how to do this. I can't. Like, are you are you putting yourself? If you want to be a tennis star, are you sitting at home? No. Right. You. Uh, it takes another person to play tennis with, so you need to create some community around the things that you love. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what I started doing: putting myself in the places where other photographers were or other entrepreneurs were and hearing stories, learning from them 
becoming a part of the community, being a listener and offering ideas and interacting. And it was through that process that I, you know, met other people who I thought were either good at their job or in many cases great at a skill where I was weak. Mm. And and then when, you know, a certain budget would come along or for, for a particular project that had a need for that component to it, it's like I had a friend to call and at first those people were friends and maybe that friendships, you know, sort of segued into like, oh my gosh, now I'm hiring photo assistants all over the place. And I was really just tapping my community. Mm. So at first it's, I feel like if you're talking like the, if we're going to put this on a spectrum at one end is your friend like lends you a hand at the other end, you're managing a company with, you know, a hundred or hundreds of, or maybe thousands of people. Yeah. It, it always starts out from, wow, I need some help with this. And ideally you're not asking, um, you're, you're not hiring a bunch of people before you need a bunch of people. Yes. That's going to put you out of business. True. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, the process of going from zero to one, that one is like part time. And it's only when you have another client paying for it and there's budget to hire an assistant or a helper or a specialist or whatever. And then you do that for a while and then you become accustomed to that and managing that person and uh and then bigger jobs come along you know instead of just one person you need two people and at then it's just for the job but originally or originally but then it segues into like wow that was very useful to have someone who is great at photoshop around all the time yeah and then when you you make enough money like wow do i want to do photoshop or do i want to hire someone to do photoshop and you realize that i don't really love photoshop mm-hmm. so you're going to bring someone around who loves photoshop and wouldn't you know that's that sort of the rising tide floating all the boats when there's something that you don't love it's hard to believe that someone loves photoshop if you don't love photoshop <laughs> or yeah. it's hard to believe that someone like loves being a plumber i was just you know my house is being remodeled the plumber's like so pumped yes. he's like i can make a beautiful like brass faucet thing out of this thing and he's like he's psyched yeah i was looking at him like this is like so not what pumps me up but yes. I, I love how jazz this guy is about plumbing yes so and the same is true for for hiring i think looking to only I really encourage people to lean into their strengths at first at some point when you don't have um, when there's not a lot of other people around and money is tight you need to you know need to wear a lot of hats but as soon as you can't afford to start offloading some of those things that aren't your strengths boy that's I think that's a really it's a fun position to realize that that's the way you should look at your skill set and also it's a way to be excited by other people who I can't believe you love to account <laughs> accounting like that's yeah. amazing like yes. I want you know when my accounting comes along I can't wait and then the other person who the accountant's going like oh I can't wait to get my hands on that P&L <laughs> did, did you yeah. feel did it feel natural to go from having like a fairly creative focus to playing manager of people you know for a part of your time did that feel like a natural transition for you um I think that I, to this day, I don't think I'm a, a good manager. Mm. I think I'm a leader. I've right. been the captain of every team I've ever played on. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm I'm excited by that. That gives, like, having that responsibility is something that, where I get enthused. Um, the skill of management, and to be clear, management is absolutely a skill. Yes. Um, I, I had to get proficient at it for sure. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, even in my photo studio before Creative Live, and, you know, I had a studio with like 15 people, 15 employees, and that's no small task. True. But, so I had to get proficient, but that didn't mean that's what I wanted to spend my time on. So it's at that point where you find other people for whom managing is a skill that they are great at. Yes. And I started, you know, hiring those people or collaborating with those people or, you know, uh, like another analogy is a, if you have a, if you're a photographer or a director, you have a producer, mm-hmm. person loves, loves the logistics. Like that's a, those are great people. That's a complimentary sort of skill set. And yes, um, that's what I look at my job as today. I'm certainly, I've, I've learned a ton about about finance and management and all the things that are required when you're the CEO of a venture backed startup. Mm -hmm. But I'm fortunate enough to have surrounded myself with great people who love the other aspects that are, you know, that, 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 um, rule where I'm weak and I, you know, then I, I defer to them on that stuff. Like, 
that's to me that's inspirational as hell and it's exciting and it's another thing it's one of the ways that that you know humans and your strengths are able to scale because if you're if you spend half your time working on the stuff that you're great at you can easily fill up half the time with the stuff that you're shitty at yes and wouldn't it be wouldn't you get further in life and feel better about yourself and x and y if you could spend 90% of this time on stuff that you're good at and the 10% that you're not good at you have to that you have to own uh-huh. <laughs> like getting the kids out the door in the morning yeah. or like whatever the thing is and everything that doesn't fall in those two categories if you could you know outsource or or collaborate or partner or whatever word you want to use with someone who loves that cuz they're uh-huh are people who love that so yes i'm running a company with you know more than 100 people in it but it's really only because you know there are great people around me who love doing what they do and we've been able to find one another and did you pull did you pull people that were already around you into it or did you kind of go out for a hire kind of thing um i think early on you 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 go what your to where your community is and to to what you know and so i tried to have a community that was broad broad but but had strong and you know, strength and depth and character and you know all of my early hires were directly out of my community and it yes. was only when I had you know more resources and a different vision or a bigger vision or um, I had been educated on how you can hire and fire and what the best practices are that I was able to sort of look beyond my community to people who you know who would be you know wildly talented from somewhere across the world and I had yeah. a mechanism to tap into how to recruit and hire those people like that was way down the line uh-huh. and if we're talking about like solopreneurs or just entrepreneurs that are getting started it's in your community that's where like that's where your first few connections are going to be made for sure yep so uh, that that's really great and super helpful i know a lot of uh a lot of my friends that are solopreneurs or freelancers uh who are at that breaking point of wanting to you know, get some help. And I think that it's, it's a really hard jump to make. And I think it's hard to navigate exactly how to make that happen. So that's super helpful. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was if you could just pinpoint one or two things, two big mindset shifts that really changed your career and changed your life, uh, that you could share with us, what would they be? Hmm. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I know that one that you talk about a lot is meditation. Yeah. Meditation. Um, I'm, I'm laughing to myself right now because I, I didn't get to meditate this morning. Right. And which it, and I literally, it's like, I, it's like, I, it's, it's analogous to brushing my teeth. Like I don't leave the house. Yes. It's like, I would literally rather call someone say, sorry, I'm going to be late. Yeah, and and get my morning meditation in. It's it's, it's as important to me or more than brushing my teeth. So, mm-hmm. I and I didn't get this this morning, which is just it's like I'm laughing to myself. But you hit the nail on the head. So that's a huge thing for, I think for me and for others. And I don't want to like, I don't want to either glorify or, or sort of browbeat you if it's not a thing. Yeah. But I do encourage you to experiment with it. And you don't need to go like on a straight from zero to a ten day retreat, you know, in yeah. India with, you know, well, like that's not the yeah. way to do it. Like, yeah, yeah. pick up the app, had the app Headspace or Calm or flirt around with it. But there's one thing that I do know is that that has been maybe the single biggest game changer for me as a sort of a, a an adult who's chasing things that they love in the world and trying to add value to others. Yeah, it's just it has been. Um, it's been very, very valuable. And I'll throw one other sort of asterisk next to that, which is I thought for a long time that my really sort of hard charging personality or my unvariable or unvary variable, very un unwavering work yeah. ethic yeah. was the thing that got me, you know, any success that I ever experienced in life. Mm. And so I was really reluctant. Like, if I get all zen about this shit, like, where's my edge? Yeah. Am I going to yeah. zen my way right into sleep and to be yeah. you know, right into second place? <laughs> yes, and, yeah. And what I've what I realized is that if you stand there for just a second and you meditate, you might actually realize that that thing that you thought was a strength, even that was an anchor. Mm. And so that is one thing that meditation has given me is like. 
Michael Jordan, to use a sports analogy, he used to talk about he, he was so good he could see the game in slow motion. Uh-huh. It's it's it fast motion for everyone else, and he saw every opportunity to pass. He saw all of the shot options. He saw, like, he didn't feel the pressure because he was just at ease. Yeah. And for me, that's what meditation makes my craziest days like. Uh-huh. When everyone else is pulling their hair out, I feel like I have a sense of calm and, and centeredness and knowing, like, who I am and what decisions are important and what to laugh about and when uh so so it's it's that's meditation's a, a huge thing and i think um what's another thing i think um i hope these don't sound too antithetical to one another because i just right. talked about talked about how meditation does not replace hard work chasing yeah. your dreams mm. does not replace hard work it, like because you're chasing your dreams that's not an excuse to chill yeah in fact, you know, in fact, it's just the opposite. Like your, your decision to pursue your dreams is, should be a thing that helps you understand that hard work is a part of the process. And yes. that's why I'm, I urge at great risk, I urge people to only pursue things deeply that they love because shit's going to get hard true that's the reality is whether you're you know trying to strike out on your own as an illustrator or when you're trying to start your own car washing business or your own construction company like at some at some point it's going to get really hard and if you're chasing some random market opportunity or the thing that your friend said was a good idea Mm. when shit gets hard what are you going to do you're going to say i've had enough of this i'm not Mm -hmm. willing to go there but if you are pursuing this thing that you actually care deeply about you mentioned it earlier if you're you're why like what is driving you i want to find a cure for cancer because the person who is closest to me in my life passed away from cancer and i will always have motivation for this endeavor i will always care deeply about the outcome of how i spend my time and what my results are and if you put yourself on that path it just provides so much sort of meaning that when shit does get hard and it will get hard, it will get hard for everybody in your line of work. If you're trying to yes. cure cancer yeah. and for the people who are there for the paycheck, they'll go home. They're Absolutely. not the ones that are going to come up with the cure. It's for the person who, when shit gets hard, they're willing to go that extra mile because the underlying why is real. And that can only come from that internal voice we talked about last time. So yes. or earlier, I mean, so that's, I think that's a thing is like hard work and what is your why what is your what is your driver and being realistic about that and, and on and pursuing things that you care deeply about will always get you through yes absolutely i love that i think that tapping into that deeper thing is you you end up having this reserve energy that you need to do anything significant because it's always going to get tough and yeah i've absolutely experienced that in my own life that's spot on uh you know going back if you sorry one more time if you pursue random market opportunities or things that you don't care about when stuff gets hard what will you do you will just you will lay down yes (laughs) and is that going to get you anywhere pack it in yeah Exactly. That's exactly right. It's a, you have that the uh, free in the book Freakonomics. They talk about how doing what you love is the ultimate competitive advantage because uh, if if the hard work is actually play for you, then nobody can compete. The person that's just doing it to make a paycheck, they can't compete with the well of energy that you have dedicated to that thing that you love. Uh, if if if, uh, if I'm pursuing what I care deeply about more than anything and you're collecting a paycheck who's going to win yes I'm, absolutely like, I, I will have an infinite amount of energy to put at something so you might as well do that thing yes absolutely that's awesome and just to go back to the uh michael jordan analogy of you know things slowing down i'd actually heard you talk about that somewhere else about this idea of how meditation uh gave you an edge when you were kind of afraid that it was going to take it away and actually when i first heard you say that it didn't resonate with me i didn't know what because i didn't really see that playing out in my own life and then recently in the past year or so i've been doing a lot of uh you know reflection inner work and all that and i kind of i i did some things that helped help get rid of 
the ego side of my goals, the thing where I was spinning my wheels, working hard just to prove something to somebody else. And it's funny that as that fell away and I felt more secure in my own self-worth and didn't feel like I needed to prove something. Uh, and I was afraid that as I did that, that I was going to lose my edge, that I wasn't going to ha- be as driven as a person. And yep. what I realized is exactly what you just said happened. All of a sudden, it wasn't that I quit doing everything. I quit doing the wrong things. Yeah. And what it's like, literally, you just, you, you, there are these anchors and you just like unhitch them. Yes, absolutely. And, it, it's, it, it feels transformative when you're able to sort of ultimately reflect inward on the human that you really are yep. and that you can like, it sounds corny, but right. self-love, self-respect, yes. yeah. you know, the concept of, you know, I, I fly a lot, so I'll use an airplane one, like put your own oxygen mask on before assisting yes, other passengers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, all right. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time and uh this has been just absolutely fantastic tons and tons of really great takeaways for all of my audience uh do you have anything that you want to plug just that that's going on for you right now i'm super excited about creative live i'm real i mean it's like i get up in the morning that energy thing you're talking about like Mm. i'm pumped to help other people tap into this thing that we've been talking about for the last, you know, 45 minutes to me, that's a, um, and so I would, would love for y'all to check it out. And we did just drop new iPhone, iPad and Apple TV apps, uh, in, in the, in the app store. And they, shot straight up to the top of the page. They have been featured and, and they're being really well received. So I would love for you to, um, to check it out check out creative live if you don't know anything about it um it is it's really something that i i think will unlock you tapping in and following your passion whatever that's going to be creative live again focuses on on you know creativity and entrepreneurship and starting your own business and but there's also all kinds of health and wellness and things like public speaking and things like body language and how to be the most memorable person in the room and um, you know, how to carry on a conversation. There's a lot of personal development stuff there that I think y- your audience will really, really love and value. And then on the, there's, there's the, the concept is very simple. We are always playing stuff 24 hours a day, seven days a week in all of the channels. So if, if you like photography, there's always something playing. If you like, uh. you know, uh, um, the design, there's always something playing. Um, then that's a free you can tap in and watch that but there's 1500 classes that are for sale yes. from the world's top experts it's you want to learn entrepreneurship from mark cuban and richard branson that's on the platform um, I, I took uh when i first was starting the podcast i took alex bloomberg's class from this american life planet money gimlet yeah. media that was phenomenal very super helpful if you're trying to yeah. figure how out how that? to yeah <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like, and, and like from Alex freaking Bloomberg, like, oh, I know. The, it doesn't the guy, get any better like than that's that. who's yeah. teaching. That's what I love about creative. And we have, there's 10,000 hours of content. So that's yes. one thing I think just if the, that's the takeaway, but, and then the asterisk again is that we just dropped our new iPhone, iPad and Apple TV apps. And within that app, the iPhone app, for example, you can also get one free lesson of your choice every single day. Oh, so awesome. there's 25,000 lessons. Imagine you just received a gift of 25,000 podcasts from the world's top badasses. There you go. <laughs> and I uh, and I know you guys are hooking us hooking the uh, we call them the creative pepperonis. I'm known as the uh, <laughs> I'm known as like Andy J Pizza. I I've lost a lot of weight, but I used to be a crazy pizza fanatic. Now <laughs> I now I eat in sensible pizza portions. I I really like when they sell it by the slice cuz that's like safe. We're like, just get, just get one slice. Um, but I know that you guys are hooking them up with a 25% discount if That's they right. go to creativelive.com slash pep. So thank you so much for doing that. That is awesome. Of course. Man. Happy to do it. I hope you guys get some value. Uh, it's been a treat being a guest on the show. I love your message. love what you're doing. Keep doing it. And uh, remember, if, uh, if you don't write your own script, somebody else is going to write it for you. So you might as well get to work. 
Thanks again to Chase Jarvis for taking out the time to sit down and do this interview with me. It was fantastic. So many good things going on there. Loved it. Thanks, man. And thanks to Creative Live for the 25% discount. Go check it out, creativelive.com slash pep. Go jump on that and up your game. Know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks to our syndicate, Illustration Age. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Thank you to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for all the other tunes. You can hear their stuff at Metavari. No, at soundcloud.com slash Metavari. That's what I meant to say. Uh, go check them out. They are phenomenal. Thanks, guys, for listening. Spread the word. Keep it real and stay pepped up. <laughs>